looking at the life of Joseph, who goes essentially from a little boy and his family to prison pits, to uh, accused of crimes he didn't do, to becoming prime minister in the greatest nation of the world at that time, straight out of prison. But we're going to jump right in, jump right into God's Word. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of exciting things going on, and I'm very excited to share God's Word with you. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'll maybe encourage you not to, not to raise your hand. Just, just think to yourself if it applies to you. How many of you in this room have done time? How many of you in this room have been in prison, have done, done real time in prison? Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Maybe you can raise your hand. How many of you know somebody personally that has done time in prison, or know a family member, or know somebody in, that you could call a friend that has done time. I see, I see quite a few hands being raised. Something you, you might not know about me um, is that my dad spent time in jail. My dad spent time in jail. True story. I, it's a photo of him um, behind me. You can see where I get my striking good looks from. Um, <laughs> The story goes, um, is he was serving in the military, um, and he was working in the admin block at the time, and he was, um, he was also ass assisting with the weekend passes. Um, so the, the general would stamp the weekend pass, and people would be able to go out for the weekend. And my dad found an ingenious way to forge that process, um, basically to stamp weekend passes that weren't legitimately stamped. Um, and as things go, more people were leaving the base than they should have, and they did an audit, thanks to the auditors. Um, and they found out there were more people going than what they should have. So they kind of followed it back. Somebody spilled the beans, and my dad got sent to military prison um, for seven days. And he remembers it clearly, crystal clearly, how that was. For seven days, basically, it was, it was really, it was hell for him over those seven days. It was tough. It was, there was one of the sergeants there, one of the guys in charge took a, a disliking to him. And he, my dad remembers thinking, the only thing that you can't control is the sun going down. You can't stop the sun going down this evening. And he just basically counted the minutes to get through those seven days. But the reality, too, is that prison changed my dad. It did. The family member afterwards, the people around him said those seven days, although it was a short time of period, it changed him. And for those of you here that raised your hands that maybe know people that have done time or spent time in prison, it, it changes you. It changes who you are. Prison changes you. And this morning, we are looking at the story of Joseph. It's an incredible story of somebody who goes through the highest and lows of, that we can possibly imagine. And we're looking this morning at his time in prison. We're looking at his prison time. His prison time. And we're going to dive into God's word, and we're going to hear what God has to say about what it means to do time in prison and how to do that well. The title of my sermon this morning is Prison Rules. Prison rules. If you have your Bible or an app on your phone, you can turn to Genesis 39, verse 19 to 21. It says, when his master heard the story his wife told him, Gabe preached last week, basically Joseph gets falsely accused of coming on to, um, coming on to Potiphar's wife. Um, and he says, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Joseph gets sent into prison. And then this intro line, it says, but while, jo but while Joseph was there in prison. But while Joseph was there in prison. It's almost like this intro to say, he was sent to prison, 
but while he was there, dot, dot, dot. And prison, the reality too, is that prison can take many forms, right? There's many different ways that a prison can look. Maybe for those of you that know family um, that have done time, prison can look like a very real jail cell. It can look like a very real place on earth. But prison can also look like a place of being confined, a place of being tormented, a place of not being able to escape, a place where you don't have control, a place of fearing for your safety. And my question to you this morning as we talk about Joseph's prison time is what is your prison this morning? What is your prison this morning? I had breakfast with a friend yesterday. Um, he's, he's done time. He's done time in a maximum security prison in Cape Town. If I said the name, you would, you would recognize it. And in his words, not, not mine, in his words, is that it's, it's hell on earth. He said, you go into, into a prison that should, house 20, that should house 20 inmates, and there are 60 people in that room, 60 people. There's people sleeping on the floor, in the toilets, wherever you can need to pay for a bed if you want it. There are 60 people. It's infested with lice, infested with lice. There's things crawling on you all day, every day. It's in your clothes. It's in the bedding. It's in everything. There's just lice. The room is infested with lice. You only see sunlight for one hour a week. On every Saturday, you get to go out into the yard, and you get to see the sun. In his view... It was hell on earth. And the reality is that's, a very, that's maximum security prison in a place in Cape Town. That's very real. But the reality, too, is a place of torment, a place of discomfort, a place of wanting to escape, a place of not being able to get out is also very real. I asked his advice. I said, if a, if a lightweight like me got sent to prison, what would you, what would you suggest? You know? <laughs> How would you get through it? And his advice was, Beg for solitary confinement. <laughs> if you can get that, you're going to be, at least you'll be safe. It's basically a, a one-by-one room with your toilet. Just, you can get there. And maybe you at a stage in your life today where you are begging for solitary confinement. You just want to escape. You just want to get out. You just want to find a way out of your current situation. All I want to do is get out. And I think there's lessons to be learned in the story of Joseph about what it means to do prison well. What it means to do prison time well, prison changes you. That was my first thing I said. And it's just about how it changes you is the big thing. Is it going to change you for God's glory or is it going to change you into something you don't want to be? We've also had friends and family that have spent time behind bars and come back unrecognizable and actually just end up going straight back in. They just can't. The prison time messes them up. But there are others, like the story that I'm telling this morning of somebody that did time in prison and came out different. And came out changed. So I'm talking through that this morning. Rules for prison. Prison time. Hey, let's jump into it. The first one is that bitterness is not your friend. Bitterness is not your friend. Joseph goes through this incredible story. He's basically, he's the, the father's favorite child. He gets the pretty coat. He tells his brothers, you guys are all losers. You're all going to serve me one day. Um, his brothers don't like this. And they go and they basically beat him up and put him in a, in a well, put him in a hole, and basically want to leave him there for dead. Eventually, they sell him into slavery, and now, a few years later, gets falsely accused by this very powerful man's wife. He gets thrown into a jail, which was also known as a roundhouse or a cistern or a hole. He gets basically thrown into a hole again. And he, if anybody had reason to be resentful, it was probably Joseph. 
His own family had deserted him. His own family had thrown him to the wayside, said, look, we're better off without you. You, are, you should be dead. And here he is in this prison again. And yet he isn't. He isn't. He manages to keep his heart soft through that process. We um, had some, um, some work done in our garden on the, on the weekend, and the guy who came to assist us wearing shorts and, and fellies, um, as they do, and, he, and he, he got down on his knees, and you just suddenly realized his knees were calloused. His knees were calloused just from all the friction on basically working on his hands and knees all day long, and that's what, that's what offense and people hurting us and ongoing things do, right? You, you get calloused. Your heart gets hard, and yet there's something that we need to take from the story of Joseph that through that, if we can keep a soft heart through that prison, God can use that at the other end. Genesis 50 verse 20, when Joseph is talking to his brothers at the end of the story, he says this, he says, you intended harm for me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of lives for many. What somebody else has maybe intended in your life for harm, God can use that for good. And it's quite, a, it's quite something to get around, actually, where something could be so terrible that God can use the very terrible thing and use that for His glory. For not, not just to get back to neutral, not just to restore what's lost, but use that story for His glory. And my mate, who's I'm great he could be here this morning, Tyrone, shout out to you, brother. Um, but his time in prison, God used that for His glory. God used that for his glory. It was, us having a chat to him yesterday, I don't think he would know where, where his life would be if he didn't go to prison. It was an opportunity for him to restore his life, to get, to get clean, to share his faith, to come to faith. And that God uses a place like prison, a place where you find yourself to restore you, to make you whole, to put you up, to set you up. For incredible things in your life. The things that somebody who maybe has meant for harm in your life, God wants to use that very thing, that thing, for his glory. It's an incredible story. Hebrews 3 verse 7, the alternative is this. The Bible says, if you harden your hearts, you shall not enter my rest. You shall not enter my rest. Maybe you feel like you're in a prison cell this morning, but the truth of the matter is if you harden your heart, if you lock your heart in, if you get a heart of stone, that will become a prison within your prison. That will become your, you will make your own prison for you there. If you get resentful towards whatever reason, maybe it's your fault, maybe it's not where you find yourself, but if you get resentful towards that, if you harden your heart to wherever you are, that will become your prison, and we need to keep soft hearts. Rule number one, bitterness is not your friend. And how do we do that? Very practically, how do we keep our hearts soft? We keep them drenched in the presence of God. We keep our hearts drenched in His presence. And in His presence, we are able to find the strength to forgive, the strength to accept forgiveness, to walk past offenses, to step over things. As we keep our lives in front of the King, we're able to move forward with soft hearts, and God can use that. Rule number two, we ready? Don't tap out. Don't tap out. The only analogy I could use here is from WWE. I don't know who used to watch that on ETV. Okay. Okay. Got somebody sitting on your head, and the only thing that you can do is tap out, right? Okay. The only way that this guy can take away, take the stress or take the, the pain that he's going through is he, he taps on the floor. He taps out. 
And that's often the inclination, right? Is that we have the tendency to want to tap out. When things get difficult, when things get uncomfortable, when things get hard, we just want to say, look, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm, I'm not going to keep doing this. I, I, I can't. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too challenging. I'm out. I'm out. We went, um, the business where I work in, we were looking for a financial manager. Um, I actually asked Luke Hahn to apply, which he didn't. I'm not, not sure why. Um, but anyway, another story. And we, we went through this whole recruitment process um, and got, got somebody to fill the position. We third, fourth round of interviews, psychometric tests, all of it. Got this person in, very excited, came there, high heels, ready to go for the, for the first day of work. She came for the first day, came for the second day, and she was gone. She was gone. She just, I don't know, I don't, we never heard from her again. We tried to make some calls. Just what she expected to find and what she found was, was, not, was different, so she, she tapped out. I'm out. And I think if we look at our own lives too, in that prison where you think you find yourself or where you find yourself, there's a tendency on easiness to tap out, right? Maybe it's a strained relationship. Maybe it's a strained marriage. You just, I'm out. Maybe it's a, a child who's gone wayward that you keep trying to keep in contact with and just it feels hopeless. I'm, I'm out. Maybe you've been hurt by the church and you've just tapped out. I'm out. Maybe you've been, what you feel like has been hurt by God or God hasn't answered your prayers and you tap out. And the reality of the story of Joseph is that he doesn't. He doesn't tap out. Even though he's in prison, he's in the king's prison, probably the lowest place in society, he's serving in prison, he taps in, Right? And I, I had to use a Chris Rock analogy there. Go to the next slide. I mean, that's what it is, right? We, we tap in. Hey, look at, that, look at that strapping Chris Rock in his tight, tight spandex there. Um, keep your eyes on me, everyone. Keep your eyes on me. Um, but he taps in. He taps in. And it's this beautiful story of Joseph coming in. Genesis 39, verse 20 to 23, it says, While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. The Lord is with you where you are right now. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Which means that we can stay tapped in to what we're going through. We can stay invested in what we're going to. We don't need to run. We don't need to hide. We don't need to kick for touch. We can stay fully engaged where we are. Luke 22, verse 42, Jesus, about to be crucified, he says this. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. How beautiful is that? Just going through the, probably the most gruesome trial of his life. He's about to be crucified. He's about to go through the worst kind of physical pain you can imagine. And he says these things, not my will, Father God, but yours be done. And maybe that our, that's what our prayer needs to be wherever we find ourselves, is that not our will, Lord, but yours be done. In this trial that I find myself, whatever I'm going through, not my will, but yours be done. Ephesians 6, verse 13, says, when you have done all else, stand. Stand. How do we, so how do we do this? How do we stay tapped in? We stand. We stand rooted in what God has called us to, rooted in his word, rooted in the belief that God has a good plan for our lives and knows what, what he has in store for us. Just so encouraged by people in our community too, just that have stayed tapped in. I think of Melissa who just who lost her husband a couple of years ago and she stayed tapped in 
I, 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 it's hard, you know, it's hard coming and you, your husband passed away and she stayed tapped in. And she hasn't tapped out and said, look, I'm out. I'm going to go somewhere else, do something else. She stayed, comes to life group every week, involved in the community. She stayed tapped in. And the Lord, I really believe the Lord will honor that, sees that, and restores, uses that for his glory, uses the most terrible situation for his glory to bring him glory. Rule number two, don't tap out. And then rule number three, prison will change you. It will. Let it be for his glory. Let it be for God's glory. The story of Joseph, it's, it's a remarkable story. It's a story we can probably aspire to of somebody being completely down and out, going to a foreign land that he didn't know, getting sent to prison. And in that prison, doing prison well, he gets promoted to basically to being one of the most powerful people in the world at that time. The, that country was going through seven years of of feast, they were getting crops for days, um, and he basically prophesied that there would be seven years of feast and then seven years of famine. Puts in this incredible, ingenious system to basically take a certain portion of the crops every year during, during the feast and then store that and have food in the times of famine. Basically saves the people where he was at and also saves his own people that had deserted him many, many years ago. His brothers come and find him, and he's all of a sudden, he's this Lani with all the power in the world, and he says those words to him, what you intended for harm, God used for good. And the truth of it, the truth of the matter, which I'm, I'm encouraged by in my own life, is that it's in prison where the magic happens. It's in prison where the good stuff happens. It's in prison where we see those miraculous stories, like my buddy at the back there. It's in those moments where you, the whole world is against you. It feels like you're on your own. It feels like there's, no, there's nothing that's going for you, and you trust God in that moment, and things turn for the better. He uses those things for His glory. We were here on Wednesday night. For, I don't know if shout out to us here on Wednesday for the Louis Guglio. It's been, been a wonderful few weeks. But he just, he talks through the heroes of, the, of our faith, just basically goes through it. And he says, how many of those heroes of the faith lived a, a clean cut, white picket fence life with, as Gabe says, two and a half kids? Um, I, we don't see it, right? The heroes of our faith are those that lost greatly. Are the heroes of our faith are often the ones that were either in prison or doing time or getting accused or getting beaten or going through the worst possible situation, sometimes of their own doing, sometimes of the doing of others, and yet consistently trusted the Lord through that. And he used those moments for his glory. Joseph, Samson, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, Peter, Paul. These people, as you go through God's word, these heroes of our faith, the stories we tell our kids when they're going to sleep. These are the, the men and women that were in jail, right? These are the people that were going through the most trying of situations, of circumstances, that didn't know what the next step would be, yet trusted God in that. And now we look back and we can, we can applause and say, wow, what faith. And maybe where you find yourself today, how incredible would that be if you can look back and you just, you could applause yourself. You can get others to applause for you. Say, in that prison, in that trying time, I trusted Jesus, and it all came right. Jesus used the very thing that I was struggling with for his glory. And then, our ultimate prisoner, the prisoner of them all, the, the one who was accused to be a criminal, 
but was blameless, Jesus Christ. And the truth of the matter, whether or not you, you feel justified or whether or not you feel like it's right or wrong, we are all guilty. We are all guilty. We are all guilty of sin. We are all fallen short. We all deserve that jail sentence. And yet Jesus, our Savior, our blameless Savior, goes up on that cross between two criminals, between two criminals who had been rightly charged, and he dies. He dies for us. And through that, we find our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Christ, we are able to lift ourselves up out of our situation and follow him. And it's not about getting extracted. It's not about running and just running away. It's about walking through where you are now, knowing Jesus is by your side and he has great plans for you. I wonder if we could stand. I'd like to just have a moment to pray for us. We looked at this morning three, three rules for spending time in prison. Bitterness is not your friend. Don't tap out. And prison will change you. Let it be for his glory. I, I don't know all of your stories. I don't. I, I only know mine. And I know what it feels like to, to be in a prison cell, in a metaphorical prison cell, where I just, there's nowhere to go. I don't know how to escape this. It feels indefinite. It feels like this is going on, going on forever. I don't know how to get out. And yet, yet Jesus. And yet Jesus. And I want to pray for each of you this morning. Let's close our eyes and turn, turn our hands to him and say, Jesus, we lift our situation to you. We lift the child that's gone wayward. We lift the marriage that feels like it's gone sour. We lift the credit card debt. We lift the mountains that are before us. We lift, we lift the toxic work culture. We lift all that feels like a prison cell this morning and we lift it to you and we know that you are our God you are you are a prisoner that and a criminal that was falsely accused and put on a cross and you are our Jesus that has taken away our blame has taken away what we are what we had rightfully coming to us and we give our lives to you again this morning if you're here for the first time or maybe haven't been in church before and you just feel like I need, to follow, I need to follow this Christ. I need to follow this Jesus. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything else, but I know my life is a mess without him. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I believe. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me. And I believe you make me clean. I believe. And if it's your first time praying that prayer this morning, would you raise your hand as a declaration to say, Jesus, I follow you. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, 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 you are the way, the truth, and the light. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.